Tracy Bauer. Danielson Bang. And this is GradCast brought to you by Syracuse University. Today, Dan and I are going to talk about how you can develop your job search strategy. I think in the past several years since we've been doing this work, Dan and I have experienced chatting with students and understanding that oftentimes students just go to the internet and apply to hundreds and hundreds of positions. And instead, we want you to realize that that isn't a strategy and that we want you to think a bit more strategically, um, to overuse the word, in order to have a more successful job search experience and understand how it actually works. So we're going to go through the steps today. And step one is getting started. So when you get started in your job search, oftentimes that means getting your resume or CV reviewed and getting it into good working order. We'll talk about the importance of customizing it later on to particular opportunities, but we need you to start thinking about your resume or your CV, the experiences and education that you've had, and getting your resume into a great format with really um, well-defined bullet points. And we have a lot of different resources, tip sheets, and other podcast episodes about the resume, the CV, uh, cover letters, all of your application materials to jobs. Um, we also want you to learn about the job search process. So it's not just applying online. Applying online makes it so easy for you to send in applications everywhere. And I think students get really confused thinking I'm a great fit for the opportunity. Why wouldn't I get called for an interview? And then they come to us months later after they've not received any interview calls and they don't understand why they haven't been called for an interview. Well, as you've probably heard us mention before, applying online only works approximately 2 to 10% of the time. You increase your chances by talking to people, learning about the industry, and we'll talk more about that in a second, um, than you do by applying online. When you apply online, you're competing with dozens and sometimes even thousands of applications of people who are also well-qualified for the opportunity. So not everybody will get an interview. And even if you have an excellent resume, that oftentimes times isn't what is wrong with um, your job search. So while we do emphasize that you need to have great documents, we want you to learn about the job search process, listen to podcast episodes, attend different workshops that we hold, and read about your industry, whether that's through articles online or coming to speak to us with your questions. Um, one last thing to know is that the job search process in the United States might differ from the job search process in other countries. And oftentimes from what we We've heard from students who have done a job search in other countries that this is absolutely the case. Um, how we approach the job search here is we do have employer relations partners across campus who bring employers closer to students through handshake, through virtual and in-person events. But because we work with such a large student population, we don't know of job opportunities all the time. So what we do is we give you the tools to help find those opportunities. Another thing that we want you to remember is we hear students come to us with a lot of concerns and doubts about things that friends, peers, or seniors have told them. We want you to consider this advice, but also come ask us when you're getting a little anxious about that information. Oftentimes, students feel as though the advice from their seniors is the only way that they can do the job search, when in fact, maybe the senior has only successfully applied and gotten one position, whereas we've worked with thousands of individuals to help them get jobs. And we want you to make sure that the advice that you're getting is really great. And so you can always come to us and say, my senior or a peer told me this, and we can help you get the information that is hopefully a little bit more accurate, so that way you can feel more confident in your job search and a little less stressed out by that. 
Absolutely. Um, the, the next thing you want to do is get into an exploratory mode. And so different people are going to listen to this podcast at different times. And, you know, an optimal situation might be somebody listens to this and they're in their first year or they're a year out or something like that. So taking that one as, as an example, there are a variety of things that you can do with that kind of long expanse of time, some of which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but just as a way of getting you acquainted with jobs that are out there. One thing that Tracy and I both experience is the sense that people come to us and let's say they know about the big four, you know, big, you know, Deloitte, KPMG. And if I knew the other four or the other two, I would tell you. And sometimes I, I refer to that as the only four. You know, people know about these big famous companies, Amazon, Google, et cetera, IBM. And they actually don't know that there are many, many companies that are looking for your skills, your knowledge, your abilities that may not be that um, top brand name, but will pay you the same or better and will potentially sponsor and do all those kinds of things. If only you uh, took a little bit of time to figure out where they are and, and what they are. So it's a great moment to explore industries and opportunities for you. You might look at uh, my visa jobs, for instance, if you're seeking sponsorship to see what what companies are sponsoring. Some of which you'll find out are actually not the ones that uh, seem to be sponsoring the most. You might you might actually find out that there's a company that sponsors a lot of people, even though some of their job applications say that they actually don't sponsor. We'll get into that a little bit in in the next portion of this or couple steps away. Um, and the other thing is, you know, take opportunity to go to conferences, to use LinkedIn, obviously, as a way of figuring out what where a job title might be housed, you know, um, to learn what job titles are meaningful for you. And, um, you know, visit professional organization websites. There are a lot of different ways of doing this. If, if we were to get into it, we'd probably be here all day. Um, for PhDs, I find the exploratory phase can be especially difficult because many PhDs come in with the expectation of becoming a professor. And certainly that's something that we support and, and help people to do. But there are many different ways to use a PhD. And one of the issues is that most of the time people haven't delved very far into what, what those opportunities could be. So I encourage you if you're in a PhD program or, or are a postdoc to look at um, my IDP, Imagine PhD, and um, we actually just rolled out Aurora recently, which is a, a platform brought to you by Beyond the Professoriate that allows you to learn a lot about a lot of different career paths uh, and to hear from people directly who do um, things with a PhD that you may not have imagined. So there are lots of ways of doing it. Um, if you want to hear more about that, I'm, I'm happy, and Tracy is too, to, to discuss because I think that this por portion of it can be very exciting. Um, so Tracy, what's next, assuming that somebody has um, kind of explored? Great. So the next step you want to take is creating a list of companies that interest you. And I encourage you to make this list, whether or not there is a current job opening or internship opening that fits what you're looking for and what your skill set is. 
I am a big fan of spreadsheets. If you've worked with me before, I'm like, let's make a spreadsheet. And so your list may be a spreadsheet or it could be something else. Whatever works for you organizationally is really important. Now, creating the list of companies that interest you is important for several different reasons. One, you want to keep in mind different places that you'd want to look at for openings. So finding out a little bit more information about their website uh, or from their website about the company, um, maybe finding out where they're located if you're open on location, or maybe you're looking at a specific geographic location. And so then you'd want to look for companies in that area. Now, I mentioned that you should um, make the list whether or not there is a current opening because things change. If you are looking on a Wednesday, you could look on a Thursday and there might be an opening Thursday that wasn't there Wednesday. Um, you probably don't want to check the websites every single day, but you want to remember where are some companies that really interest me? What do, work do they do? And kind of get that information going. So that way, when there is an opening, you'll be more ready to apply. The other thing that you can do is if you do create a spreadsheet, you list your companies out in one column, you maybe list your networking contacts in another column. If you apply to a position, you would put like what you applied to and the date you applied. Um, you could always put your networking notes, you can put your interview notes, um, different ways to track your job search. And remember too, uh, one thing we didn't mention yet is that companies recruit at various different times. So a lot of times in the fall semester, I meet with a lot of very concerned students who aren't graduating for six or eight months because sometimes one or two of their friends have already secured a job for after graduation. That is not the case for, I would say, probably 95 to 99% of the companies. If you are looking at a company website and it lists a job opening that doesn't have any particular start date listed, that means that that is a job that is currently open that they want somebody to be able to start working in the next two months. So oftentimes students come to us in February and graduation is looming large in May and they feel as though I've applied to 400 jobs, sometimes 500 or 700 jobs, and they haven't even received an interview. Well, that is because the majority of the opportunities you applied to were for openings that needed you to start prior to when you were available to work. So an employer is not going to respond to you to say, oh, we can't consider you because you're not available to start as soon as we would need you. They just don't respond. And that's, again, where students think, gosh, there must be something wrong with my application materials like my resume. It's a timing issue. And so creating your list of companies helps you to come back to that list and apply to opportunities closer toward graduation. Again, unless the opportunity says um, a summer 2021 start date or a start date that's close to your graduation, they want somebody to start sooner. Um, so your list of companies will help keep you on track. And then as you do start to apply to opportunities, you want to save the job description so that way you have it when you are called for an interview. There is no rule, law, guideline, or anything that says you need to be contacted by a company for an interview within two weeks of applying. So sometimes you apply to an opening and you may not hear back for months and you may have even forgotten that you've applied. It's really important to keep track of where you've applied. I know when I first applied to Syracuse University, soon after I graduated from my undergraduate program, I didn't get called for four or five months. Now, obviously, a lot of us are in more of a time crunch situation. And when SU had called me, I had already started another job. When they called me, they actually called me for a different opportunity. So sometimes that does happen. You apply to one job, that job gets filled um, by someone else. 
And then they, you get a phone call from the employer because they've held on to your resume for other openings. Um, these types of things can happen, but more likely is you apply to an opportunity and then you get called for an interview for that opportunity. And what you don't want to do is something else that I made a mistake on early in my career, which is be told you're being asked for an interview and then you have to ask, what job did I apply to? <laughs> That's right. Right. Um, I remember. I'm so excited, but what am I excited about? That's right. I can't remember what past Tracy applied to. Please enlighten me. Um, and oftentimes, the job posting gets taken down from the company website or job search, um, you know, engines well before you are called for an interview. And you need that job description for prepping for the interview. So not only do you want to create a spreadsheet to keep organized of the companies that interest you so you don't forget where to look when you are feeling a little maybe frustrated or need some additional options, but you also want to copy and paste the job description and save it into a, a Word document file or Google Docs or something like that. That way, when you get called for the interview, you can say, you know, maybe you applied to several opportunities. If they don't tell you right away, you can say, I just want to confirm, is it for this job or can you tell me the job title? I did apply to a few. Then you can go, you've got your job description prepared. You don't have to ask for it and you'll be able to best prepare for your interview, which again, we've talked about utilizing that um, in other podcast episodes. So really staying organized in your job search is really important. It's very impressive to the recruiter or the hiring manager who's reaching out to you. And it also helps you to understand what types of places you're looking at, where you've applied, what the progress is like, and allows you to stay informed and on top of you know the particular companies that you really want to work for in the future. You know, when you when you talk about some of these things, you know, the theme comes up of of networking. And if I could rename our office, I would call it the office of networking education. And so step four of this is really about emphasizing something that we talk about all the time. And we do have a podcast about, uh, which I do encourage you to listen to. And that's about talking to people at really all stages of the process, ideally earlier than later, sooner rather than later, as, as a way of um, learning the ropes of an industry, getting a sense of what the job title is, what the responsibilities would be, uh, and, and where you really have a fit. Now, many people think that networking consists of asking for referrals. Will you, will you hire me? And sometimes that works because there are referrals of programs at companies. And so somebody may get a kickback, may get some money based on referring you to the company. But to be honest, that's not the most common scenario. The most common scenario is that if you say, will you please... Um, hire me, the answer is usually nothing. But if there is an answer, it's why don't you check our website and see if anything seems to apply to you. And so what they're really saying is, why don't you do your homework? Also, I don't know you. So what you're trying to do over the course of networking and informational interviewing is to become somebody who is known and trusted and who um, is is a possible fit for a position. I know that as a hiring manager myself on occasion, I'm always thinking about people that I've encountered who might be good uh, people to, to, to talk to and maybe to hire at some later point. And so every hiring manager is that is that way. We're all thinking about people who just kind of stand out. 
And your job is to put yourself in a situation in which you are the one who stands out when an opportunity becomes available. That's really the difference between this approach where you're networking and, and people oriented first and applying for jobs second and applying online. Because when you're applying online, many jobs are, are going to be taken by somebody who's already a known commodity within the, uh, within the company. And, um, your competition, as Tracy said, is just tremendous. So you're trying to do something that will enable you to get a look by a company. Networking doesn't guarantee anything, but it, it guarantees that you will be looked at or it assures you that it'll, you will be looked at by a company and not just kind of passed over. And so I think it's very important to emphasize that talking to people is, is about more than just getting handed a job or being short um, or fast-tracked to speak to a hiring manager. It's really about your need to find a mentor, to learn about a position, to uh, get a sense of what your path is. Just as you're, you're getting the same education now at Syracuse, you have mentors, you have people who are helping you uh, to find your way. You'll need that in the working world. And so there are a lot of things that networking does for you. It's very hard to predict what will happen for anybody in terms of networking. But we do know that you'll turn that 2 to 10% chance of getting a job that Tracy talked about earlier into something more in the range of 50 plus percent, maybe as high as 80%. And you know, many people respond to our advice and say, okay, so if, if this only gives me a 2% chance or a 5% or 10% chance of getting a job, I'd better apply to a lot more jobs. And that is not the best logic. It's actually much better logic to say, if I have a one in a hundred chance here and a 60 out of a hundred chance here, I better go and spend more time in that direction. And that's what we're always saying to you. And so again, I, I suppose I should unveil, and this isn't real, but the office of networking education, because that's what we're really about here. What's next, Tracy? That's so true. We are the office of networking education. And <laughs> I think, that would be a great name for our office someday. Um, it yeah. is what we talk about all the time. Students come in and speak with me um, or schedule a meeting about a resume. And then I say to them, how's your networking going? You know, <laughs> so I, I refer to it as the ground game. How's your, how's your ground game doing? <laughs> there you go. Yes. Good. So yeah, the last step um, that we're going to discuss today, at least, is about applying with your customized documents. So I mentioned earlier when we were talking about getting started that you need to get your resume or your CV, your application materials, and that could be teaching statements or research statements or you know all different types of things that you need to get in good working order. But one thing that we get asked a lot, and I think we probably have covered this before too, is do I really have to customize every document? And we get it. It's frustrating. Um, it's a lot of work. You have a lot of other things going on as a graduate student, but you should always apply with customized documents. As people may recall, I was a recruiter in the past, and I could always tell when a cover letter was not customized, when someone just put in the name of the company and the position title that they were working with. And so while we want you to get your resume into good working order, we also want you to take the time to read through, analyze the job description, and go back and make sure that the resume is showcasing the skills that you need that are related to the position you're applying to. And then with a cover letter, 
you shouldn't ever bring us a generic cover letter. Those don't work. They don't really exist. You should always write a cover letter specific to an opportunity. And if you're listening to this podcast and you want some more assistance on that, we do have tip sheets that we can email you. So you can email either Dan or me, and we'd be happy to send you those tip sheets with step-by-step instructions. And of course, meet with you in an appointment to discuss what to do and how to do it a little bit further. We also want you to keep networking. And so even though you're applying to job opportunities, you should still be networking in between all of the applications that you are sending out. There is still time to meet people, to talk to them, to ask questions. And while you can't wait forever for someone to respond to you, and by forever I mean weeks, you may hear from them and you may have an interview coming up. So networking, again, it can help you along the way, not just prior to when you're applying to an opportunity. Networking can be valuable, whether it's now or in the future. There's plenty of people I've met throughout my career through networking that I had no idea how we could help each other out even years later. Um, We're still closer working together or discussing things, getting advice from each other, different things like that. So you could develop some really great connections and it could be valuable no matter where you are in your job search process. And with that, we hope you have learned something new about developing your job search strategy. Of course, as we mentioned in every episode, we're here to help you develop your own strategy and to help you work with what you're comfortable with, as well as push you to maybe get a little bit outside of your comfort zone to help you along throughout the process. As always, we know this is tricky and we know that you're going to have questions that we simply can't address because all different types of situations come up. And I think that's Definitely one thing Dan and I love about our jobs is helping you through unique situations that you come across to help you understand it and navigate it a little bit better. And we love helping you develop your job search strategy. So we hope you learned something new. My name is Tracy Bauer. I'm Dan Olson-Bang. And this was Syracuse University GradCast. Enjoy the rest of your day. Mm -hmm.